I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavez, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. Last week, I was asking you, hey, what should we do for the uh, next episode? And you came up with the thing of, let's do like an early Super NES game, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. And also, I gotta say, it I got so used to us being weekly through May, it feels like we haven't recorded in like two months, right? <laughs> yeah, really. I was thinking about that the other day. It just, it's, it's been forever. Yeah. It hasn't been. <laughs> yeah, it's only been two weeks. It's only been a week difference that we have recorded. It's just... It's just <laughs> Feels like forever since we recorded, just because we were so used to pounding those things out every week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Weird, but anyway, uh, so I did a little digging. I thought I, you know, I guess you kind of left it up to me to kind of pick something, and I decided on UN Squadron, uh, also known as Area Eighty Eight in Japan. Except the thing is, is I really like the soundtrack. Except there's, it's not as meaty as I was kind of thinking it was. So I ended up kind of doing a little bit of a like, hey, let's mix in the arcade version too, because there's some overlapping tracks, and then there's some tracks that are I, it, near as I can tell unique to the Super Nintendo version, and then unique to the arcade version. So I was like, hey, you know, we'll do a little compare and contrast on uh, on a few of them, and then we'll do the individual ones that I that I found that I like kind of for each system. So I thought this was kind of a nice way of going through it. Yeah. I think it's excellent. It's uh, wasn't expecting this, and I know I say that every episode, <laughs> but you know I really wasn't expecting this title. <laughs> hey, all. I gotta, I, man, I gotta, I gotta pull stuff. I can't just give you like the obvious answer of like, oh, early Super Nintendo. Okay, Act Razor. <laughs> it's like Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong. But no, I, I guess that's not early enough. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not early enough, man. I was thinking for like the first like year, year and a half maybe of the Super Nintendo was what mm-hmm. I was going for. So before my time. Uh, you know, barely, barely even my time. Like really, like the first year of the Super Nintendo, the only thing I really remember playing is uh, Super Mario World, Street Fighter Two, and then renting Act Razor, and that was about it. <laughs> uh, so I probably should have gone with Act Razor, but yeah, you know, whatever. I, I I try not to be too obvious as far as video game music on this podcast goes. I figure everyone's everyone's covered Act Razor. Like maybe people haven't talked about UN Squadron Area eighty eight. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the arcade version was composed by Manami Matsume, and if I'm recalling right, was also the composer for some of the early Mega Man games. Uh, hmm. She worked on a lot of Capcom stuff, and the SNES composers were Toshio Kajino, Mary Yamaguchi, and Yasushi Ikeda. Ikeda? Ikeda. I don't know how to say that one. I'm hmm. just going to go ahead and run with run with uh, multiple <laughs> pronunciations of it probably throughout the podcast. Actually, you know what? That'll probably be the last time we say the names just because I don't want to stumble over them every single time. <laughs> so um, did you have any familiarity at all with UN Squadron? Uh, nope. 
Okay. <laughs> I, you know what? I honestly, I don't think I ever played this thing when it was even remotely contemporary. Like even when the Super Nintendo was still a soup, like it was an active system. A friend of mine who actually has been on not this podcast, but a bunch of the other podcasts I've done uh, before and has his own podcast called the eight bit show, uh, Frankie Ordaz. He's actually the one I think that introduced me to one squadron. He, he has a friend who was a big fan of the game. And I think, I think I could be wrong. I think it hit a virtual console on the Wii way, way back. And I checked it out and I enjoyed it, or maybe I just downloaded a ROM and played it on an emulator. I don't remember. <laughs> Could be one or the other, but <laughs> uh, yeah, don't crucify me for that. But anyway, um, yeah. If um, so, that was kind of my introduction to it, and I really remember that first stage's track just sticking with me, being very catchy and just like, oh, this is this is a cool jam. I like this, and I was like, you know what? This was early Super Nintendo. Let's go ahead and go with something that isn't quite so obvious as, like I said, Act Razor or even Street Fighter Two. Mm-hmm. Now. The gameplay, is it similar to, like, Star Fox? Are you flying around in your jets? What are you doing? Well, you are flying around in a jet, a literal jet, because you are a, a member of the of a UN squadron. Um, yeah, so which you're, makes sense. Yeah, it's a, side, it's, a <laughs> it's a side-scrolling shooter, basically. Okay. So a little similar huh. to, like, um, like, Darius or Darius, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Something in that vein, basically. It's, it's it, a very solid shooter i think it's probably one of the better super nintendo ones if not the best uh, the slowdown is minimal and i don't know if you played uh i think it was gradius 3 on the super nintendo that one is like just notorious for its slowdown hmm. no, i've never played that yeah it's it was an early early super nintendo game i mean it hit you know had an arcade port or an arcade version it was just ported to the super nintendo but the super nintendo like version had a little bit different like graphical flourishes and it looked incredible in stills and then you played it and it was slow mm. just because the super nintendo could not handle what it was doing so it was oh. sort of it made it easier to play but it also was kind of a sad thing to see it was just like oh god this game is like at <laughs> a quarter speed <laughs> yeah that's horrible <laughs> that is the one thing i will give the sega genesis like stuff like that the genesis handled much more uh adeptly than the Super Nintendo did. You start throwing too much stuff on the screen on the Super Nintendo game, and it starts chugging. Yeah, I could only imagine. <laughs> I wouldn't know, because that's, like I said, before my time. Yeah, yeah. The Super Nintendo was, like, dead and buried before you were born, basically. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I completely understand you not being that familiar with the, this end of the catalog. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, let's go ahead and we'll move on to the first two tracks we're going to cover. Um, actually, I guess it's the first track in a sense. So the first thing we're going to listen to is the first opening stage for... UN Squadron. Uh, like I said, the original version is called Area 88. I'm just going to stick with UN Squadron because that's what I'm familiar with. So the first track we're going to listen to is from the Super Nintendo version, and that's Frontline Base. And then the one right after that will be Oilfield Base, and that's from the arcade version. So we'll play those and be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Alright, first one we listened to there was Frontline Base again. That's from the Super Nintendo version of UN Squadron. Uh, this one, like I said in the previous segment, this was sort of the track that every time I think about UN Squadron sort of is like the hook for me. This is, you know, when you're getting used to these side-scrolling shooters, you play the first stage a lot because you die, you start learning the patterns, start learning the weapons and how they where the drop points are for them and stuff. And you start learning like, Oh, okay, well this is the weapon that's better for this. And this is, or develop your preferences for the weapons that it has. So you end up playing through the first stage a lot. So maybe that's another reason why I really got into the song just because, you know, I heard it ad nauseum for a while, <laughs> but I think, I think it's got this like cool, like almost laid back feel to it. There's this kind of weird tinkling noise at about the 26 second mark in the super Nintendo version that almost signifies where this track like kind of sold itself it starts picking up a little bit from there. The guitar hitting higher notes, leading back into the loop also was a nice touch. Uh, Dominic and I were just saying off the air, we probably should have been recording this, that uh, this is probably the leanest we've written notes for th- these, just because I don't <laughs> feel like there's enough really to like break down. But this is kind of just a cool listen, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something we'd like to share with everybody. Uh, don't have too much to say about it, but it, like Jason said, it's a good listen. Yeah, for some reason, I really enjoy the intro to this track. It really does unfold beautifully. The lead floats over the rhythm section like it should, and together you can really hear how the rhythm accents the leads. Super simple and somewhat polite. The track as a whole is very intriguing, to say the least. It has been composed well, excellent highs, lows, and mids, and there's even a great peak at the end. The track was well done. Yeah, I really dig it. It's this weird, like I said, it... It's got this weird vibe to it of just kind of like this laid back feel. And you kind of expect like a little bit more intense feelings for like a side scrolling shooter, but this one's a little bit more just kind of chill, I guess. Yeah, it's really laid back. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and we'll talk about the arcade version then. Um, it's a little bit more gritty because of the way the sound chip for the arcade version basically is. It's got that same like tingling sound that happens at the 26 second mark or so. But it sounds completely different than the Super Nintendo version. Well, not completely, but it's definitely different enough. Like, the Super Nintendo one, I think, sounds a little more wind chimey, a little bit higher pitched. Mm-hmm. And the arcade version's got a little bit more of a, I guess, guttural chime to it, if that makes <laughs> any kind of sense whatsoever. I, I, I think I understand what you mean. <laughs> Good. That's one of us. That's yeah, you, and, you and none of our listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've noticed the arcade version's... Uh, Throughout this list, they tend to use a lot of lows, mm-hmm. which is surprising because it's really... Honestly, I think that kind of kills a lot of the arcade version tracks. It's just too low. Yeah. But eh, maybe it's just me. You know, I wonder if it has something to do with maybe in an arcade, you know, it's noisy. You're trying to get somebody uh-huh. to hear it over the drone and a lower thing... it might The sound might not project as well, but you'll feel it a little bit more maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something I, to do with it. Yeah, that makes sense. That could be it. Just hmm. a, just a wild shot in the dark, but I mean, maybe it's the only thing I, I could think of is like why arcade games tend to have a little bit more of a deeper tone. Granted, this is also done like on a Yamaha um, synthesizer chip, so it could have something to do with it too. But you know, we've heard things before that run on these chips, and they do do higher stuff occasionally. It's just a weird thing that. Almost all the versions we've li- or that we're going to listen to today on the arcade version, they're, they tend to be a little bit on the deeper end of the scale. Mm, exactly. <laughs> I kind of prefer the percussion on the arcade version a little bit more, but I definitely like the Super Nintendo version more. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm just not a fan of this version whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe if the instruments were all 
an octave higher, I'd find some enjoyment with the track. But as for what it is, it's just it's it's not for me. Okay. It's really not for me. There's no comparison. <laughs> <laughs> the Super Nintendo version just seems so much more polished and balanced. Yeah, and I think maybe it has something to do with the fact too that the Super Nintendo, you know, it does that sampling thing where it can do different sounds and the Yamaha chip is capable of, which I don't oh, know, yeah, like I said, right. I, I kind of appreciate the different tones that the Yamaha chip does, except like you said, I think the the thing that hinders this thing the most is just its reliance on the lower notes. I, I think if, like you said, the bumped it up an octave, it probably would have been a little bit, I want to say better. I didn't mind it at all. It just, it, it would have been a little bit more memorable, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. I just... I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, dude. No, that's perfectly okay. All right, let's go ahead and move on then. Uh, the next tracks we're going to be listening to are Forest Fortress 1 on the Super Nintendo and then Forest Stronghold for the arcade.
Alright, first up was Forest Fortress 1 on the Super Nintendo version. It starts off with this like really catchy kind of organ and percussion. It's just as, again, like I mentioned on the last one, it's a nice chill track. It doesn't really ever hit too hard, but it's an easy thing to listen to. It's something more like I would think you kind of zone out to. Like you can kind of play it on a loop and not really notice that it's just continuing to go. <laughs> it's even got this little thing of like, I'm trying to think uh, like the exact notes that it is, but it's just like this... I don't know, there's this like really catchy part that repeats a little bit, and I just love it. That's the reason why I'm 90% sure this is the track I used to end the last episode with. But this isn't like a standout track that I'm like, oh god, I love this track, you must listen to this thing. But it's one of those ones from this that I'm like, I really enjoy listening to it when it comes on. It's not one I listen to too, too frequently, but it is something, when it comes on, the volume might get pumped up a little bit on my headphones. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it is a very chilled track. It is excellent background music, that's for sure. Again, nice intro, and I thought that unfolding the percussions the way they did in the beginning was genius. As much as I like this track, uh, something seems to be missing. Mm -hmm. Perhaps behind the lead, I don't know exactly, exactly what, but I think that this track calls for something a little more pronounced to take lead. Uh, it's, like I said, it's a very chilled track, but... Something's missing. Maybe it's a little too chill. I, you know, it could be the panning. I I don't know. It's just, it's really, it, to me, it's just really bleak. You know, it's not, there should be more to it. It's a great track, but there, it's it's almost like it's missing something. <laughs> yeah, I can totally understand Weird. where you're coming from there. It's Maybe that's where I'm getting that vibe, that it doesn't really ever hit too hard. Like, it does need mm. something to push it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as uh, the composition goes, I really enjoyed it. It's great. It's just, like I said, I'm going to keep saying it. It's missing something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the second version is called Forest Stronghold, and that's from the arcade version. It's, well, it's definitely more busy than the Super Nintendo version. Listening to it in headphones, it just has much more of like a full and rich sound to it. It's got a tiny bit of that like farty synth sound that we've talked about, like with the Genesis, that really bad Genesis music does. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of underlined enough in this one that I feel like you have to be paying attention specifically for it to kind of catch it. I really like how intense this one is compared to the Super Nintendo version, though. Yeah. You know, I think I was totally wrong about the SNES version. <laughs> it didn't need strength. It didn't need uh, any of that. It needed more depth and panning. Mm -hmm. It's obvious that more of an area was covered, instrumentally speaking, in this version. If the instruments were panned out like this... In the SNES version, I wouldn't have any complaints at all about it. I don't know, man. I, I always kind of liked the Super Nintendo version. I had never heard the arcade version of this soundtrack before we were doing this podcast. And I started listening to this and I was like, oh, wait a second. I like this one a lot better. Shit. <laughs> I've been wrong all of these years. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things of like, shit. Shit, everything I know is wrong, man. <laughs> and you're saying you like the arcade version more? Yeah, yeah, ah, okay. definitely. It's just that <laughs> it's just that full like there's more going on to it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if it wasn't for that tiny, tiny little bit of like farty synth in the background, like I would just wholeheartedly like say like this this track is like my favorite out of like everything we're covering today. Oh wow, hmm. but it is yeah. a good track. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just hit me the right way, I guess. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because it's completely new to me where I've had the Super Nintendo version as something I listen to, not regularly, but occasionally, and just having something brand new that it takes what I liked about that other track and just 
like cranks it up to 11, smacks you in the face with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get it in there somewhere. <laughs> Just intensifies it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I didn't I honestly thought you'd be a fan of uh the the SNES version. Yeah, I uh I was trying to be a little, we'll say misleading with the notes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to keep you on your toes, man. Got to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> that's about it on my part. I like the composition. Mm-hmm. Like I said, as far as most of the arcade versions, uh, uh, most of the arcade tracks go. It's just, I, I don't know. You know how you are with highs, certain highs? Yeah. There's a pitch that it, uh, you know, some instruments may hit that just, you know, makes your teeth grind. Right. <laughs> That's how I am with the lows. Oh, okay. Makes sense. So it's really hard for me to accept some of this stuff. Ah, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's That's weird. Like, high stuff that's, like, done a little too shrill, just, I can't can't deal with it and so you're you're just on the opposite end of that with the with the low lows mm-hmm. basically yeah <laughs> man you must add all well you know what I, that era might have ended when you were in school but like when i was in school like everyone had their uh like you know the cars with the super deep bass just thugging around basically yeah. oh god i can hate that shit. oh yeah me too i'm like <laughs> oh that's cool your car's rattling apart i can hear it rattling itself apart that's that's really cool guys your your 200 dollar uh subwoofer is going to destroy your four thousand dollar vehicle sounds like a good mm-hmm. trade-off dum-dum <laughs> you know now that you mentioned that maybe that's why i can't stand these super low frequencies like these sub bass sounds because uh you know where i live you hear a lot of that you know i wouldn't be too surprised as to that being it because it does great on your nerves like i had a hard time listening to deep stuff for a while and then once i kind of got out of the area that you live in and i used to live in and moved over to a you know quiet suburban area i i, I got to appreciate uh bass a little bit more again <laughs> you, you all have to understand i live in albuquerque so it's uh you got a lot of uh characters over here yeah yeah uh well let's say um there's a lot of thugging in certain parts of Albuquerque. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dominic's nearly at the epicenter of it, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So right there's, the a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, deep, deep base of uh, people just compensating for something or another with their uh, base. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And we'll just leave it to your imagination to fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's go ahead and we'll move on to the third track uh, set or the, yeah, the third track set. Second, I don't know exactly how you're how I'm wording this segment because they're the say I don't know the third comparison thing we're doing. How's that? There you go, makes more sense. Ah, gee, Jason, you can talk really good. All right, so the first one is going to be Ground Carrier, and that's on the Super Nintendo version, and Desert for the arcade version. Don't ask me how those two correlate with each other. I really don't know, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back.
So first up, Ground Carrier for the Super Nintendo version. I'm not really sure entirely why, but I really dig the approximation of the saxophone in this one. It's a little all over the place, and I don't really mind it, though. It, in some parts, I see this being played like a smoky jazz lounge with people like, you know, just kind of lay, laying back, just, you know, some <laughs> blind guy on stage, like noodling on a, on a bass guitar or whatever, uh, you know, and some guy who was wailing on a saxophone and like, you know, I, I, I get that weird vibe in it. And then other parts kind of feel like they fit in a prog rock album. I, and huh. I don't think I've really made it known on this podcast that I'm not a particular fan of jazz. Like, I don't mind it, but when you get a little bit more, let's say, like, freeform jazz, uh, some of my least favorite music on the face of the earth. Like, I just... If I was listening to it on a radio <laughs> station, I couldn't get to the knob fast enough to turn it off if it came up. Oh, wow. Yeah, my, it's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like, I, are you familiar with like the Persona soundtracks at all? Uh, no, no. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot of like jazz feel to those, and I a lot of people love them, and they just huh. rub me the wrong way every time I hear it. I'm just like, you guys like this? Oh God, why? It's like Falcom Sound Team exists. Why would you listen to this? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. I, it's not a popular opinion of mine that uh, I don't think the Persona soundtracks are great. Uh, I, there's a lot of pushback, and we might even lose some listeners about that because we're probably never going to cover Persona music unless somebody covers it on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/GamesJunk, and you can request an episode with that for fifteen dollars. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug away. If you want to, if you want to have Jason cringe through a uh, jazz soundtrack, that's the way to do it. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not a not a not a big fan of jazz, but for some reason, this one kind of does it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as far as jazz music goes, I, I've never been a big fan of it, but I do appreciate, uh, you know, how some of that stuff is composed. Um, I appreciate the complexity behind it all. 
I mean, it's really something else when you dig into it. Um, but it is an acquired taste. As far as this track goes, um, I, I guess, yeah, I, I could totally understand that jazz feel you get from it. The first thought that came to my mind was uh, a very interesting panning technique. The path the lead takes is absolutely great. I'm actually quite surprised the rhythm chords pan from left to right throughout the duration of the track. Mm-hmm. It, it all just mixed so well. It was just, you know, listening to this through headphones was just a cool experience. Yeah. Uh... I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know if I really caught the panning so much as you did. Um, I gotta say, that saxophone sound, did you like it, or how did you feel on it? No, oh, I thought it was cool, man, because okay. uh, you were able, I mean, I was able to follow the lead until it hit certain certain areas, um, and the scale just, like, changed. Just really cool, man, put that feel straight into it. Okay. Yeah, it's weird, like, for me, like, when the Super Nintendo tries to approximate a, like, a saxophone, it's, I, I almost want to say it's like, you know, you, like, doing an air sax sound, basically. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, it doesn't really sound like a saxophone, but you know what it's trying to do. And for whatever reason, like, I dig that sometimes more than I dig an actual saxophone. And I don't know just because, like, you know, my preference for video game music or coming up in the Super Nintendo era as much as I did. I just had this weird thing of the Super Nintendo saxophone that I'm like... It sounds so cheesy at some points, but I also really like it for whatever the hell reason. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I guess I'm the same way. Um, I really do appreciate the sound. Um, I don't really listen to too much music that involves an actual saxophone. As far as game music, I mean, that stuff's everywhere, especially in older titles. So I've grown to appreciate that stuff. And like you said, they did a very good job emulating the saxophone and the path a sax would actually take. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to understand what they were trying to do with it. It was a great path to go down with that lead though, man. That's really what made it cool. for me. Enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. Like I said, I, I always worry about introducing somebody that hasn't really heard uh, the Super Nintendo's saxophone sound to somebody and just what the reaction is going to be. Like they're going to be like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Or, what in the hell is this garbage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a song I, now that you're talking about this, there's a song, it's one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite art, artists. It has nothing to do with video game music, but mm-hmm. I definitely have to share it with you because it uh, has that emulated sax sound in it. Oh. And it's really prominent. It's it's awesome. So, uh, you know, after this, I'll send you a link <laughs> okay i am going to if you don't i will i will kick you a reminder to do so because yes. now i'm very curious about it <laughs> all right uh, let's go ahead and move on to desert which is the arcade version it seems to have picked a feeling and stuck with it a little harder than the super nintendo version the saxophone is gone and the whole track relies a little bit more heavily on the unique sounds of the synth it's kind of hard to pick which one out of these i like a little bit more it might be the super nintendo version but at the same time like i feel like the arcade version is different enough that I might like it a little bit more out of these two. Also, I don't know. It, it's it's this weird toss-up of, like, they're the same thing, ultimately, but they're different enough that, like, I have a hard time being like, oh, yeah, this one's my favorite versus this one. Because, you know, say the Super Nintendo version is trying to approximate what the original version was. In most instances, that's what you get when you get an arcade conversion. But the Super Nintendo version seems to be doing something a little bit different than what the original intent was even if the underlying like track is effectively the same thing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah well i think this version at least the intro has a completely different feel to it it's basically 
you know, obviously playing the same stuff. It's just the way it sounds that, uh, you know, the instrument used. What, what, what was it? A Yamaha? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yamaha synthesizer. Okay. Yeah. The synth just, it has that sound. And I, I guess I'm just not a big fan of that sound, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, that sound completely changed it up for me. Now, although, although I like the Super Nintendo version more, this one just seems to fit the game, judging by the game cover. Like I said, I've never actually played this game. Mm. <laughs> all in all, they're both super solid, and I don't mind hearing either one. Something that might, I don't want to say affect your opinion, but kind of might like give you a little bit more of depth of knowledge of why this soundtrack sounds the way it does on the arcade is this came out in 89, in the arcade and it came out in 91 on the super Nintendo. So you got to think like, mm. you know, we're talking like late eighties and the more I think you kind of think about, Oh, this was made in the late eighties. You can kind of, I feel like it a little bit easier to forgive the way the synth version sounds like the arcade version sounds over the super Nintendo version, just because it is a different era of music. Like, you know, we are talking late eighties and that synth sound is very prominent. And this is also based off of a manga. And I think there's even an OVA um, you know, original video animation, like anime thing that this game is based off of. And mm. I think that the music in like, I would say like lay, lay eighties, early nineties anime is very much what the arcade version is trying to do. I feel like I, I haven't, it's been a long time, well, not a long time. It's been a while since I've watched anything like that old, but if you listen to stuff like that, if you watch stuff from that era, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. It's a little bit more, it gives you a little bit more context for what the soundtrack is doing on the arcade version, I guess, over the Super Nintendo, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a rude asshole. <laughs> nah, nah, not at all, man. I mean, you know, you have to be able to take the music without the context behind it sometimes. Yeah. You have to be able to listen to something and think, oh, this is catchy. And then... You know, I, I don't expect anyone to sit there and go through a, you know, an hour digging process of every single track that somebody makes. Like, okay, well, this means this, and this is based off of this, and they were stylized because, or it was stylized this way because they were inspired by this person coming up when they were younger, and that person was, a, you know, you can't go down this rabbit hole for every single piece of music <laughs> you listen to. Sometimes you just have to take it at face value, or ear value in this case, you know, and just go with it. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so like I said I, I, I'm certainly not going to hold it against you if you don't you know like the arcade version stuff as much as I do which you know is perfectly okay I'm I'm a little bit older and well, a lot older but <laughs> uh, you know and I I was a little bit more familiar with this sound and the era than you are by a long shot just because you know I was a thing that existed when this stuff was around so <laughs> Uh, so yeah. it's like I, I've got a little bit more like I guess forgiving and appreciate or forgiveness and appreciation of this stuff that you do, which you know I I will say like you know your your taste in music goes back further than you were born, obviously you know oh, based yeah. on a lot of the heavy metal stuff you listen to, but you kind of latch onto a certain genre of stuff and you not you specifically, but you know what I mean, just like the general you latch onto a, a specific genre of stuff and you can go back and trace its roots back however many decades and appreciate for what it is. And some of the stuff surrounding it, you might be like, yeah, okay, I'm not really into this, even though I'm into, like, you know, the the metal from that era. You might not be into the, you know, the pop of that same era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's just a matter of, uh, I guess, I just can't relate to it the same way you do. Yeah. You know, because you were around at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I heard some of this type of stuff, you know, if not this exact stuff, you know, on the radio, just this style of music was around when I was a kid and played. So, you know, there's a little bit more of an influence on me and it's something that stuck around in my head a little bit more and I can be more tolerant of it and kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, this kind of sounds like this because of the era it's in. And this is what not everything sounded like, but this is what, you know, pop or just popular music in general, like would sound like in this era. If you would just turn on, you know, say half of the radio stations in this era, stuff would kind of sound a little bit more like this to a point, even though, you know, not everything relied on these like really heavy, deep synth sounds. Um, I guess just that sound I can be a little bit more forgiving of because that synth sound was around when I was coming up. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a weird kind of diatribe we just got down on, on that. But, you know, it is it's it is what it is. We, we do have to sort of, like, put in perspective sometimes our musical taste because we also don't know, you know, somebody could be walking into this podcast and this is their first episode and not knowing that, you know, Dominic and I are 10 years older or, you know, 10 years separate from each other. So there's this very... There's a literal generation gap between the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, I've, I've said it before. I, I really like Richard Marks and Dominic does not care for him at all. And I can completely understand why, because he's a, you know, um, he's popular, but uh, he's, he's sappy, you know, kind of milk toast, uh, soft rock pop, basically. And it's just yeah. kind of kind of what I grew up with. It's fine. Uh, you know, I, I certainly don't begrudge anybody that doesn't like them for it. And if anybody says, oh, I don't like Richard Marks, I'm going to be like, well, no, you haven't heard this. I'm like, nah, I get it. It's cool. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like Richard Marks. I like Rob Halford. <laughs> See, I don't even know who Rob Halford is. So Exactly. <laughs> yep. See, we're in good shape there, man. <laughs> so, oh, all right. Well, anyway, I guess that's enough explaining, I suppose, like sometimes the differencing of opinions we're going to get on the two of us is uh, like tastes, basically, or takes on a song because there's two totally different styles of uh, two totally different interests uh, that Dominic and I are coming at stuff from. But we have found a meeting ground with a lot of this stuff, a halfway point of sorts that like, hey, I can appreciate this even if you don't like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you know, ultimately, like when it comes to video game music, for the most part, we've we kind of teetered on being pretty similar to stuff. Even if you've never heard it before, when I kick it out to you, it's like, oh yeah, no, I do, I do dig this. So, yeah, I was a little bit more surprised you're not as into the arcade version as as I am, uh, just because of like say like Midnight Resistance, this um the 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 Genesis version we listened to a few episodes back. Like I was thinking like, oh okay, he he kind of dug that one. Maybe he'll dig this. But I guess the I guess Midnight Resistance was a little bit more broad in its spectrum of the tones it used versus what the arcade version of this game did. Yeah, I'd say you're right. Like I said, it's just, I don't know, it's just too low. Like I said, if everything was done an octave higher, I think I would have loved it. Yeah, no, I completely understand. And like I said, dude, it's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you like, hey, I like this, so you have to like it, damn it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, it's whatever, you know, it's. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and argue about it. We have got many, many podcasts to do, and we're and we've done you know quite a few at this point. It, we're not going to always agree 100 percent on these tracks. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and after that, uh, geez, I think we talked more on that section than we have any other section here so far. So let's go ahead and end this yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Minx and a Boss Two on the Super Nintendo, and this is where we're going to diverge basically from doing comparison tracks. So we're going to listen to two tracks on the Super Nintendo version next and then after that we'll listen to two things on the arcade but the two we're listening to now is like i said the minx and boss 2 
All right, first up was the Minx. That's M-I-N-K-S. So I don't really know, understand the spelling of it, but whatever. It, it seems like it should, especially the area came up, that should just be M-I-N-X, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Minx. Yep, exactly. It's just like, come on, guys. Seriously, you're missing an opportunity here. Anyway, <laughs> to be extreme, for God's sakes. I mean, you know, this is the early 90s. Be extreme, guys. Use the X. Use the X. Oh, man. Uh, anyway <laughs> all right i really like the vibe of this one it's got that jazz feel to it for the first like 35 seconds and then it switches to a more like rock oriented sound that would be right at home in a Mega Man x game i feel like it's just a catchy track with some cool instrumentation changes in it and this isn't like one of my favorite favorite tracks in this one but it does enough to kind of keep you on your toes and then leads a little bit into that like, like i said the Mega Man x vibe and we've talked about that before like that is one of my favorite soundtracks like ever so giving any sort of nod or hint to that sound i'm like oh i am on board with that you know what i mean yeah i'm, I'm right there with you <laughs> oh right on okay yeah go for it dude i'm 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 i'm, I'm done talking that one up i guess all right well i'll tell you one thing man uh, that bass line in all the snes tracks actually up to this point really do well carrying the rhythm to the end I think uh, that's why I like the SNES versions more, just more of what I can relate to. Okay. And you definitely weren't kidding about that Mega Man feel halfway through. That's just, that caught me off guard, but damn, did it hook me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that section would totally pass as a Mega Man jam. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, man. <laughs> like, I heard that and I was like, did somebody seriously, like, did, I mean, it's almost like, oh God, what were we talking about? Um, Was it Time Force that we were talking about that was... um. Musitani's uh, like Castlevania oh. thing. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, this is just a Castlevania track. Like he just like wrote something for Castlevania game and was like, oh wait, I, I'll just keep it in my pocket for eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what this one sounds like. It sounds like something like they were developing like the sound for Mega Man X basically because it just got that like cool um, Super Nintendo like electric guitar rock feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very damn cool. Yep. All right, and speaking of Mega Man X sounds, oh boy, does the Boss 2 track, God, does that sound like it was like a first draft of a Mega Man X boss theme. I mean, it starts off sounding like it's going to hit a little harder than it does, but it kind of settles on this weird, like, quicker mid-tempo sound, if that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Like, I, I was expecting, like, you know, the um, the Sigma um, boss battle theme basically the you know just that really like fast sort of like thing like shredding guitar thing i was expecting mm-hmm. that to kind of happen with this and it just never really did it just picked up its pace a little bit and kind of was like okay this is where i'm gonna settle in i don't want to get you too riled up playing this you know what i mean yeah you know if only this track had a little more to it there's really not much else to say about it other than great loop <laughs> yeah it's catchy as hell it it does what it needs to do that's a problem we've discovered with a lot of these boss themes is they don't need to be very long god i don't even remember what game it was now but we talked about like there was one boss theme that was like a minute and a half long and it did something different throughout it and i think about like most boss themes like i don't think i last a minute and a half through most bosses i either die quicker than that or <laughs> i finish it quicker than that you know what i mean so mm-hmm. uh, writing something longer for a boss theme in a like, action-oriented game is always a little risky, but so I don't mind when a track like this is a little bit shorter, but like I said, it just feels like this was a Mega Man X track just, like, waiting to happen. Like, somebody was like, let's go ahead and let's write this stuff for... I don't know what. It just feels like it should be cool for a boss theme, and then 
maybe later on down the line, they somebody somebody at Capcom listened to it and was like, hey, wait a second. We're doing a Mega Man X game. Why don't we go ahead and, uh, <laughs> you know, this thing sounds pretty similar. Why don't we use some of this that we learned on UN Squadron or Area 88 and kind of just go with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, you know, and me personally, I can go either way. I don't mind the boss tracks being a full out, well composed, I mean, super track with just variety all up in it. And I also don't mind a great looped track for a boss theme. It just has to be good. Yeah, that is very true. So here's the thing, Dominic. If you don't mind long boss themes, you sent me that link already. I'm going to send you another one, or I'm going to send you one. It's called Dancing Mad, and it is the Mm. last boss theme from Final Fantasy VI. It is a 17-minute and 40-second long, like, prog rock love letter, effectively. (laughs) It's just, interesting. it is fucking crazy. It is one of like the coolest tracks. It's hard to get through the whole thing in one shot sometimes because it goes and goes and goes. And it's really good, but you know, asking anybody to commit to one song for 17 minutes is a feat. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. I, I totally dig it. It's not quite as impressive as, um, man, it's the, it's like the ending song for uh, Final Fantasy VI where, it's its own unique track, but it digs in or it loops in themes from the other characters as their sort of like endings are playing out basically throughout the whole thing. I think that is like 20 minutes by itself. So it's this really Damn. cool way of doing it that, like I said, but anyway, getting back to the boss theme, like, yeah, Dancing Mad is just this 17 or almost 18 minute just boss theme that is a love letter to prog rock, basically. <laughs> Damn, you have me interested. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it your way. Like I said, Final Fantasy VI is one of those we are definitely going to cover at some point because that is one of my favorite video game soundtracks. And oh, yeah. It's just, that's one of those that it is, it is a very meaty soundtrack. And that is one, like, we will have to plan out because that is probably going to be like three or four episodes long if we do it. So, because <laughs> there's three discs to that thing and there's not a whole, whole lot I'd want to skip out on. So we would probably have a hard time you know, and then just writing notes for a 17 minute track by itself is going to be almost yeah. an episode. That's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, but if doable. you think about it, if you think about it, a lot of the music we listen to in each episode maybe totals out to 17 minutes. <laughs> Never mind, we're going to have one track that is just 17 minutes long. Uh, it sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, it does. It. <laughs> All right, all right. I guess we should move on here because we haven't said much about Boss 2 in, uh, oh, I don't know, last like three minutes, basically. We've been kind of talking about uh, Dancing Mad. So (laughs) anyway. It's a a great loop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's a great loop. Sounds like Mega Man X, kind of. (laughs) So, All right, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. The last two tracks we're going to be listening to are from the arcade version, and that is Rising High and Arsenal. So we will listen to those and wrap the show.
First up is Rising High. And Dominic, you remember I was telling you like that synth sound of the late 80s or whatever? Mm-hmm. This this is exactly what I'm talking about. This track just reeks of the late 80s. The percussion is really catchy, if a little subdued. I really love the different sounds in this one. I think this is something maybe that hopefully is a little bit more up your alley because it seemed to use a little bit more of the spectrum of the sounds, the chip is capable of doing it doesn't rely so heavily on the lows there's a little bit more of the higher pitch stuff going on in here so it's not just this really deep throughout the whole thing you know what i mean yeah well you're right because uh i don't have one bad thing to say about this track oh good there really is a variety of different sounds in there just a fun listen especially with headphones lee just kind of does whatever uh which makes this track so enjoyable to me like I said, I have no bad thoughts <laughs> about this one. I, I like it a lot. Oh, good. I finally found an arcade one you liked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite unintentionally. Like I said, I didn't know you were going to be kind of down on the on the arcade sounds of the other uh, ones we've covered. But, yeah, whatever. Hey, so now I know. Uh, if I'm looking for arcade stuff or stuff that uses synth sounds, don't go looking for deep-toned stuff because you probably won't be too much on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess it just depends. Yeah. You know. 
could just be my mood today. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> like right? I'm up in the clouds, so. <laughs> <laughs> up in the clouds and you don't want the bass taking you down, right? Yeah, exactly. I need some floaty sounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I think Rising High does. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really got this really cool sound to it. And I really am a fan of the synth stuff when it actually gets used, like, as far as, like, the full spectrum of notes that it's capable of making. I Now that you've mentioned it, yeah, a lot of the... Well, the pat you know the other tracks we listened to that were on the arcade version, they all were very deep. Like I said, there was that one, um, the Four Stronghold one, that I really like that version. I don't know what it is. It's just there's something about it that it feels more full than the Super Nintendo version, and maybe that's why I don't mind the lowness to it. But it also doesn't feel like it's too too low. Maybe it's like a mid low, I suppose. But I, I, I'm just being kind of mm-hmm. pedantic about it, trying to defend it, I suppose. But you know, whatever. <laughs> I like what I like, and you like what you like. Ain't no thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Ain't no thing. <laughs> so, all right, so let's go ahead and cu- talk about our last one here, and that is Arsenal. And this is another catchy one. It does a really great job of going from laid back to sounding like something you just want to cruise on a highway in a fast car with the top down to. The more I listen to this one, the more I dug it. It's one of those tracks you could put on a loop and leave it running and never really notice it's been playing for three hours straight. And it, this is another one, too, that, like Rising High, I just we just talked about, it does a really good job of using the full spectrum of tones from the sound chip. Yeah. Out of all the arcade tracks we've listened to so far, this one seems to be the most balanced one. has uh, the best tone to it, I would say. Also, one of my... Uh, also, my favorite out of all the arcade tracks we've listened to. Okay. <laughs> Super relaxing and fun. R- rhythm wasn't overpowering with extreme lows and leads just play along with every other instrument. Uh, now that I'm really thinking about it, surprise, surprise, this track, I will have to say, is my favorite out of everything we've heard so far. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so I am a fan of arcade stuff. I, just, I, I, <laughs> I was just going to say. I was just going to say, dude, so after all of this uh, shit talking on the arcade and the low synth stuff, you uh, you end up liking one of the arcade tracks the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, this track was awesome. I love how it was composed. Everything it, everything was balanced. Like I said, you weren't overpowered by those rumbling lows and the highs weren't too intense. They They just worked. Everything worked together the way it should. Yeah. It's this and stuff like Rising High that I really feel is a good, like, showpiece for these soundtracks that rely on the synth stuff so heavily it was just because that's you know what they're produced on but mm-hmm. you know that that's the kind of stuff i dig during that stuff like i guess there's some of the deeper stuff i don't mind as much i like them but they're also not my favorite it is the stuff that uses the full spectrum of sounds from that synth chip that i appreciate a little bit more and that's why and that's why like if you go back and listen to Midnight Resistance, like there is so much to that soundtrack. Like it, there was one track. I, I think it literally used the deepest possible notes on that synth chip, and also the highest possible notes on it too. It and it used like the mids really well in that one too. And I, you know, I damned if I can remember which one it is off the top of my head, and damned if I'm gonna look it up while we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things that, like, I really appreciate when a composer can do that with a synth chip because when you do that it it broadens its ability to be listenable endlessly whereas like you said too with the deeper stuff it does sort of pigeonhole it as you have to be into this deep gritty kind of sound from a synth to be into it whereas that stuff's a little bit more universal i guess in a sense it's i guess maybe generic i guess maybe maybe that maybe calling it generic's not fair it just feels like it's a little bit more 
mainstreamable, I suppose. You can have your average person listen to it and be like, oh, yeah, this is catchy or this is cool. And yeah. I guess some of that deeper stuff is like, like you said, definitely a little bit more of an acquired taste. Yeah, it's harder to accept. Hm, that makes sense. Could be. I, man, I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, this was a weird soundtrack for us because I like it and I like the arcade version. It's just there's... I don't want to say there's not enough ground to cover in it, but there was there was a lot of the problems with a lot of the early Super Nintendo games was there was a lot of good stuff, but some of the soundtracks were so, so slight that it was hard to actually do it. Like, if you actually go and sit down and listen to the ActRaiser soundtrack, that is a phenomenal soundtrack and it's highs, but there is a lot of just kind of like middling, like average tracks in there too that you're kind of like, eh, this is okay. I don't ever need to listen to this again. Mm-hmm. But... There's a few in there that are just like, oh, this is some of the best video game music ever made. I mean, plain and simple. But then you kind of listen to a lot of that soundtrack, and it's just like, oh, this is passable video game soundtrack stuff. And I've always kind of felt with ActRaiser, it is one of those, the highest of highs, and then the lows are just mids. You know, like, eh, okay, so mm-hmm. okay. This is, this is acceptable. But just, I think if you have something that's that high, it does seem to, you know, if it's not as good as that, everything else is kind of like, oh, this is okay at best, I guess. I don't know. It's just... That's kind of the way I feel with a lot of early Super Nintendo soundtracks, but I like the UN Squadron soundtrack enough that I was like, oh, this is going to be worth covering. And then the more I dug into it, I was like, you know, maybe there's not as much to cover as I was thinking there was. Let's go ahead and maybe throw in the arcade version, too, because I... This game came out on a bunch of different systems on top of the Super Nintendo and the arcade, but I think these two have the better sounds out of all of them. Mm. So I wanted to, like, cover that and throw in a little bit something different and then cover like some of my favorite like versions of the Super Nintendo tracks and do the arcade replicate or well I guess they're replicating the arcade version since the arcade version was first and just doing a little bit of a compare and contrast since that seems to be a little bit of a popular thing we have uh, with our audience which I, I you know I, did, I wasn't aware of that until you had mentioned that to me that a lot of people seem to dig that for whatever reason so I was like oh okay cool well, maybe <laughs> we should start doing that a little bit more frequently huh <laughs> yeah so uh. But anyway, yeah, like I said, I thought this was a cool soundtrack. It just, it, we needed a little bit more to pad it out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. <laughs> you know what? This may have been a good bonus episode, I, I suppose, if we just did the Super Nintendo one. <laughs> yeah, no joke, huh? Yeah, hey. All right, this is uh, me interjecting here just because I lingered a little too long on the plugs for the episode there at the end. So I just kind of cut the rest of it, and I will spare you the borderline meandering that I did on that. So I mentioned a bonus episode right before I broke in here. Uh, The bonus episode we're going to be doing from now on is going to be on our off week. So if you're not familiar, this is maybe your first episode of Rocket With Your Card Out. Every other week, Dominic and I cover a video game soundtrack of some sort. And on those off weeks where we're not doing a podcast, I do another podcast called Multimedia Failure. And that is a chronological exploration of video game movies and after we get done watching them and talking about them, we rank them arbitrarily against each other. So Dominic is not on that one. I'm the host on that one. But I have two friends of mine, John and Vanessa, who have been doing that podcast with me through its entirety of its run so far, which is actually the same number of podcasts as this one. Anyway, so the bonus episodes we're going to be doing are going to be a little bit shorter than our normal episodes, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, as opposed to an hour to... The longest episode we've done so far is like two hours and 20 minutes. I can't see us doing those too often. But anyway, uh, those bonus episodes are going to be a little bit shorter, but something to get you to come back to and listen to. And the only way you're going to be able to actually access those is by donating $5 a month to patreon.com slash gamesandjunk. 
that is my Patreon page, which supports the site I run with Vanessa, um, who is one of my co-hosts on Multimedia Failure that I just mentioned. And that basically helps support keep the site running. And I, you know, we have some written content there and I try to pay the writers that, you know, aren't me basically because I do everything myself, but whatever. Anyway, of course, I'm not going to pay myself for my own writing. It's just asinine. I don't even know why I said that. But anyway... I want to be able to actually pay my writers as well as provide the games for them. So anytime we've done that, I've either, for the most part, occasionally people have brought their own games to the table, but for the most part, I've provided the games and I will slip them a little money under the table for, you know, the effort because I, it's a lot of work to write. I try to do it and I just haven't been able to do it as much as because I've been doing as many podcasts as I do. But anyway, kicking in $5 a month over there will get you access to a catch-all feed. Uh, originally, that was going to be in at you know the beginning of July when we did that, and we were going to retire the free catch-all feed we had, but something on the back end of the site seems to have broken that feed, so I don't really know what's going on with that, but we just decided to um, uh, you know uh, cut our losses with it and just say, hey, it's done already. So anyway, um, so you can get all the podcasts we do, which is Multimedia Failure, the Games and Junk Game Club, this one, Rock Out With Your Card Out, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which I don't do, but is um, sort of under the Games and Junk umbrella, as well as the what's left of the Game of Thrones Power Hour, which is uh, done unless we hit a certain tier goal on Patreon, and we might bring it back. I don't, I don't really know. But anyway, and any other podcast we might do um, in the future that might bring something out of retirement or any other ideas I've got that we want to try out as a podcast, that will give you access to all of those. It'll give you access to it the episodes in a higher quality bit rate so they'll sound better which is super important for this podcast in particular because of how much it's reliant on music and you being able to hear it in good quality so that you'll get that the bonus episode of rocket with your card out every um you know every other week on multimedia failure you will get an extra segment where vanessa john and i will talk about something um the last episode we talked about was like the pokemon sword and shield reveal and basically how we felt about it uh, prior to that vanessa it was sort of uh, just off the cuff, and Vanessa talked about uh, meeting somebody who actually knew what Mortal Kombat The Journey Begins was, so there's some content there for you. And on top of that, the $5 a month tier will also get you a shout-out, so I also want to shout-out to Gustav, Vanessa, and John for kicking in 5 bucks, uh, you know, every month to help keep this podcast going. Ultimately, yeah, I would like to do this for a living, so... You know, your patronage would be greatly appreciated. Even a dollar a month would be a huge help. Um, if you've got a little bit more, you want to kick in $15 a month... Doing that once will basically get you everything we've mentioned before, plus being able to request an episode of Rock Out With Your Card Out or skipping us ahead on the list of multimedia failure because, like I said, we're going through those movies chronologically, so if there's something that's a little bit newer that we're not going to be able to get to for years to come because, you know, that, that yeah, the, there's a lot of video game movies that we were unaware of when we started this podcast so it's going to take quite a while to even get to, uh, let's say, even the 2005s at this point, because we're barely, barely breaking into the uh, 2000s now. But anyway, but that will wrap up basically everything I had to say about that. So the first episode of, or the first bonus episode of Rock Out With Your Card Out will be a freebie. Just kind of just kind of giving you a taste to get you hooked, and then you can chip in the five bucks or whatever. Um, I'm looking forward to this little adventure that Dominic and I are going on with the bonus episodes. Ultimately, we would like to go weekly, but financially we... We need a little bit more support to do it because that would mean both of us would have to cut back at work to make time for it. And, you know, we do have full-time jobs outside of doing podcasts. So, unfortunately, uh, that's just I, – I don't want to say holding it hostage, but holding it hostage effectively. And I don't like doing it, but 
you know, I have I have a family that I need to make time for too, and a wife who, uh, let's say, can only p- tolerate me uh, playing fake radio on the internet with my friends for so long before she just wants to lose her shit probably on me, which is completely understandable. So anyway, uh, that will wrap up this episode of Rocket with your card out. Thanks for listening. I apologize for the weird interjection of a close, but uh, this is sort of the best way I can make it work. So uh, from Dominic, who is Dominic Shred on Twitter, and myself, Jason Ariola on Twitter, and the podcast as a whole, which is just the two of us, so this is a weird way to plug it, but uh, that's R-O-W-Y-C-O podcast on Twitter. You can follow us there. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we will talk at you guys in two weeks. (music) 